0: K-W-V-A. KWVA. KWVA.
1: KWVA is proud to be the broadcast affiliate of the Bushnell University Beacons. Darts his way inside, puts it up, and the foul. He flexes with the strength. He shot Dawkins, is able to put it down, and the Beacons are rolling. If you like what you hear on 88.1, your favorite broadcasters also take the airways for Beacon volleyball, basketball, baseball, and softball. Live broadcast can be found at portal.stretchinternet.com Bushnell. Once again, that's portal.stretchinternet.com slash Bushnell.
2: Now live at
1: 6 o'clock, <coughs>
2: KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quack Smack. I like talking, talking sports. Quack Smack. What? Quack Smack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon Athletics.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm experiencing life right now.
2: I'm not sure how much more can be said. Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome! It is a Monday edition of Quacksmack. The fifth of February. Levi Berthel here, joined by Jack Wargo, a Wilder Lewis. I got Austin Oda in production hold now with Blaze. Uh, great day. Uh, I would like to start off. Obviously, Jack. I was just told moments ago you're an inaugural Quacksmack. We were trying to come up with a good professional comp for that. You had one. You had your Quacksmack scheduled. Uh, canceled due to ice unforeseen circumstances thank you ice maybe maybe Th- maybe, no. maybe, we'll maybe what been so be the worst <laughs> show of your life or best show you never yeah, know, we you. who were you
0: know. supposed to be with
2: i couldn't even tell oh. you wasn't, uh, even yeah. wasn't even prepared wasn't even prepared
3: i was like saw the ice and was thanking mother nature that mm. day
2: mm. Well, best bet we had was chet holmgren right blew out his acl or maybe ankle yeah marcus uh,
3: russell would probably be close depending on how this goes <laughs> but i'm hoping we get to like LeBron James status by the end of this. That's true. I was thinking maybe Zion Williamson. Yeah.
2: Delayed start, hot start, faded down the stretch. Definitely. Kind of a bust. Go with that. He's (laughs) coming back. He's He's been playing well. But the
0: the last couple games, he's been playing
2: very well. He's like a nice year, but I think that no matter, unless he's an all NBA type type of guy, he'll always be remembered as a bust, even though he's a good player. Like, he's a good basketball player. But I want,
3: I want Duke Zion back. That was, that Duke was something else. Blowing out your shoe every <laughs> step, Zion. <Yeah. laughs>
2: Lost Nike like three billion dollars in stock price because he blew out their, sh- their shoe <laughs> on, on the court. Duke, uh, Duke basketball. I will say, random side note on Duke. Of all the classic Duke players, Zion is the least Duke of all the classic agree, Duke I players. Like, yeah. If you know, if you, if I had to bet, I would have guessed a lot of schools. Like I know, obviously, I went to Duke, but like of all the schools that fit him, far down the list.
0: Yeah. He seems like a Kansas guy.
3: Yeah, Kentucky, I feel Kentucky's like. Kentucky's yeah, a good Kentucky. one for yeah, yeah, like the but AD.
2: Yeah. Carlton Towns, like, yeah, mm-hmm. all those all-stars that went through Kentucky. I know,
3: that Duke team with R.J. Barrett and Cam Reyes, it doesn't seem like it even happened at this point. Because they
2: lost early in the tournament, didn't they? they? Yeah,
3: well, they Zion got hurt, and then – They almost lost to Taco Fall, I remember. They did loo- lose
0: like, – I think they <laughs> lost, like, they like twenty. round of 16 or yeah. something like that. But It was
2: earlier than I thought. I do remember that. Yeah. You know, I'm,
0: I'm a UNC fan, so I was happy to see him go mm,
2: out. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Oregon basketball plays Washington this week, and I just got reminded that Markel Fultz played for Washington. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that just erased from my memory. As that a Sixers Scott. fan. Talk yeah, about a number. <laughs> I erased him from my memory <laughs> talk, a long time. Talk ago.
0: about a number one pick, Bus.
2: Yeah, that's I mean the same thing where like he's turned into like a nice rotation player. He's a good Orlando. role player now. Yeah, but, but people but always remember him as the number one pick who didn't make it, and that's just as a Sixers fan. Yeah. He was tough. just
0: in a bad situation with the Sixers at that time and then eventually got hurt real bad as well. So. Yeah,
3: if I was an NBA GM I would just like avoid Washington at all costs. <laughs> I just a first pick yeah. from Washington just doesn't seem right.
0: IT had a couple a couple nice years yeah. at Boston. But
2: but. Fultz like lost his touch. Yeah, right? yeah, like he's so like for so this, the so Ben Simmons he, before the Ben Simmons. He basically
0: like in the off season or like after he got drafted, he like started trying to use or like create a new shot form. That's because right. Did, did he because he about, like, because, changing hands. Well, no, he just tried to create like a new way. Because when he was in college, he had one of the most beautiful shot forms there was. Um, But like apparently he had like a, a, a shoulder blade problem that they just didn't talk about. And, therefore, he was trying to, like, fix it, but before he fixed it, like, completely, he got surgery for the shoulder blade and just couldn't shoot the ball, like, at Mm. all after that, so...
3: That was like the peak of Pac 12 basketball, him, Lonzo at the same time while Oregon was going on there. That's like Ron.
2: So that's the exact conversation I had was this guy was like, Remember Marco Foles played Washington? I was like, Oh, I forgot about that. And he's like, Yeah, he's playing like Lonzo Ball and Peyton Pritchard. Like, the Pac 12 used to be like nice at basketball.
3: Go to Pac 12. Right now, Arizona's carrying, <laughs> Arizona for us for is right now, carrying the standard.
2: Arizona's carrying the standard. It's in Arizona, honestly, I'm not super high in Arizona. I don't say they beat Oregon. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. super high in Arizona. They just feel like yeah. That's there's school, some flaws in there. There's them. some serious flaws in that. Hey,
0: roster. shout out future dunk contest winner as well, Hami Haquez <laughs> from, <laughs> from UCLA. <laughs>
2: Another just gritty UCLA. Guy. He was fun to watch at UCLA yeah. though. I'm not a big UCLA basketball guy, but watching Hami Haquez, that guy was gritty. He, I mean, was, great. Was, he was, 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 was great. That was fun to watch. Uh, we can talk about Oregon men's basketball. We can stop talking about <laughs> speaking random about UCLA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, speaking of UCLA, Oregon men's basketball, uh, tough stretch for them. Um, if you remember early in the season, they had just a couple of brutal injuries. Biddle, Dante, both out for extended periods of time. But they played really well through that stretch, scoring big wins at home over USC, UCLA, uh, beat the Washington schools. I mean, they were playing really well. And then the wheels kind of came off in that, that, that mountain school trip. Uh, lost to Colorado. That was, that was kind of ugly. Um, and then Utah was just a backbreaker. Dante had a, a point-blank shot at the rim, couldn't get to fall. They come back to home, beat Arizona State. Um. Obviously, tough loss to Arizona. It was a nine-point loss. At least, it to me, it felt like a bigger one. It didn't feel like it it was particularly close. The the
0: final score, I feel like, inflated once Arizona took out their starters and yeah, Oregon Oregon trimmed it off in the back end. It's
2: bad when the
3: highlight of the game is like a miracle
2: half-court shot at halftime. Yeah, (laughs) just to keep it close, it cuts it to seven. You know, and it was just never that close. Chris Paul for three. He <laughs> cuts it to 21. <laughs> Basically, and that was, if you remember, Arizona coming off, uh, they had just lost to Oregon State in a buzzer beater. I saw some weird stat like Tommy Lloyd, head coach of Arizona, had never lost back-to-back games in Arizona, and his average margin of victory after a loss was, like, plus 17. So, like, you knew Arizona was coming to play, and they really dominated that game. Um, and then an opportunity to get back on track uh, at the L.A. schools. They beat UC- USC, USC having a tough year, um, and then lost to UCLA in a weird one, down 18 early, came all the way back, down big, came back, it was a back-and-forth game, came up short, Um, and I think we're now in that really familiar spot with men's basketball where you're like, there's a chance they make the tournament, but there's no margin for error, and they have to win every game. Looking like
0: a really good NIT-turn team. Yeah, just like a
2: fringe NCAA team, good NIT team. I mean, and then I'll, I'll just jump ahead, Injuries have continued with this team. Keyshawn Bartholomew gets injured. Uh, Jeremy Kuznar was a little banged up in the UCLA game. He finished it out. Uh, Biddle has missed the last two games with, uh, with an illness. He's projected to play on Thursday, but he's obviously still working back because he was injured for a while, came back for like a game or two, back out again with an illness. This team just hasn't been able to put the full competent players out. So I guess, Jack, I'll start with you. Where do you stand with this team as far as I can't even decide if it's a success, if it's a failure, because they've, they've battled through so much adversity but at the end of the day, it still feels like they're bound for their third straight NIT appearance.
3: Yeah, I feel like a broken record at this point. Every year, we're just talking about injuries holding us back. And obviously, it could be the Philly bias because we like firing our coaches every year. But <laughs> now with Dana Altman, it's going to be could be three straight misses of the tournament. Last one being the bubble COVID tournament somewhat thing. So it's getting a little sketchy, and I know that he has a legacy here, but like I've seen the offense this year, they haven't been moving great. It seems like if you don't have the ball, they're just in cement and not even moving. So I don't know what the future holds for them, but obviously their stretch coming up isn't the hardest. So they obviously could find like a miracle comeback to get back into the tournament, but it's just, it doesn't feel the same as like those early 2010s, late 2010s teams that we saw make the tournament
2: it does seem that this team just feels different. In the last couple of years have felt different, Wilder. And again, Dana Ullman has a long legacy here at Oregon, we've seen him achieve some of the best success the school has ever seen as a coach. But the last couple of years have just felt weird, and they certainly have the talent in the roster. This is a school that recruits well, that retains talent well, but it just seems like one thing after another. Some of it's you know, intentional, some of it's not. Mookie Cook has played a grand total of you know three or four games, limited minutes. He's probably out for the year. It just feels like they can't quite get everything working in the same direction.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been an interesting year for Oregon because you come into this season, you have such high hopes that uh, Dante and Biddle and Quiznard and all of these guys take it to the next level and they, like, propel this team. And instead, Biddle, Dante go out early. There's kind of some speculation on, oh, is this season just going to be a throwaway after that point? And then all these, like, young freshmen – uh, or, like, some other um, guys that didn't play as big of an impact come in and, and really just show off. They, they go on a massive, massive streak, obviously, coming to an abrupt end the past couple weeks. But, th- I mean, there was a point where this team was getting votes to be in the top 25. Um, they were getting votes for uh, the tournament like it, it was uh, just any other day. So so this team has the talent. I think that there's definitely some some concerns with Altman at this point if they do make the NIT if they do miss the tournament and make the NIT, I think there's some talks that have to be happened, but I mean there was talks at the end of last year, nothing really ended up happening. People were saying, "Oh, he should be out." Then he came back and we were praising him for showing off like the resiliency that he has with this team. Um so so it's kind of interesting for me to see. I think it'll really depend on how they can close out. Obviously, they they have a few more good games. Um, I think getting revenge against the Mountain Schools in that last weekend of the Pac-12 regular season uh, coming off of playing Arizona. So I think those last three games will be a pretty interesting stretch. But other than that, they go against the Washington Schools. Then they have Oregon State. Then they're at the Northern California Schools. And then they're against Oregon State again. I think all like those, those five games, six games, I think are all very winnable games. And then... It'll be interesting to see how they finish out the season.
2: Yeah, looking at the remainder of the schedule, right now Oregon's still sitting at third in the Pac-12. They're tied with Washington State. As far as conference win loss, Washington State has the edge in overall win loss. They do play Washington State. But the remainder of those schools, Washington, Oregon State, USC, Cal, those are the bottom four schools in the Pac-12. Now they do play at Arizona. That feels like a, a really tough one. It's hard to imagine coming away with a win there. But to your point, Wilder, this could dramatically change how we view the season, even if they make the NIT and it's like, gosh, they missed it by that much. They finished the game, the, the year went in five out of six. Like you can finish the year momentum in the right direction and just come up short. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think you say, okay, like, Sometimes you get really unlucky three years in a row. They haven't been able to have a full year of Dante yet. They haven't been able to have a full year of Biddle yet. Missing Mookie Cook is really tough. And the freshmen have been playing very well overall. But I think the end of the year is going to determine how we feel about this season.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of like a weird thing to say, obviously, because it's been three years. But I feel like this is, like to me, the first year where they're kind of scraping off the like, covid um, like slump that they kind of came out of where they they missed the tournament obviously the past two years it could be three this year but the last two years were a lot worse years obviously you were escaping Peyton Pritchard um, and COVID uh, the first year that they missed it and then last year there was a plethora of injuries as well as nobody really stepping up to be like that number one guy when Dante went out as well so so there's there's talks there, but I think this year it has really shown Oregon basketball can get back to that stage of being a very good dominant team, um, especially with the recruits that came in, with the transfers that came in, and I think one or two more years following this trajectory can get Oregon back to where they need to be. It's just a little unfortunate in this moment of time, considering that uh, the, winter, or the, the fall sports in football and volleyball have been so dominant, and the spring sports in baseball and softball have been exceptionally well especially last year it's almost just like a a a little bit of a lull in Oregon sport and Oregon athletics this winter season where it's just the basketball teams and neither of them are able to succeed at any level right now
2: and Jack we'll touch on women's basketball later but it does feel like this year feels different than last year last year I mean Dana was coming out and saying like oh this team doesn't want it they're not working hard enough like the vibes are exponentially better this year. It doesn't feel like the wheels are coming off. And we've seen some really promising starts from Jackson Shellstat and KJ Evans. We've seen some really good pieces in this team. It's more about putting it together. And I guess the best way can sum up this team is right now in the Pac-12, they're sixth in scoring offense. They're seventh in scoring defense. They're almost the definition of a middle of the pack team. And they have been able to separate themselves with that. I still think, Jack, that the vibes are better. Right, and it feels like this team is in a better place this year than it was last year or the year prior.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's definitely like we said, the young guys are like coming up huge at some points. The whole thing is, I don't know if we have like a vocal leader on the court right now. Obviously, you have two young guys blowing out. I don't expect them to be the leaders of this team. I would expect a guy like Nafali Dante, but sometimes, sometimes he's not on the court flat out, but. This is a stretch right now, which obviously I think in bracketology right now, there's three teams that are on the cusp of, obviously, Arizona. We know Colorado should make the tournament if they stay healthy, and Utah and Washington State kind of flip-flop, and we have all four of those teams coming up, but they're all winnable games, I would say. Arizona, obviously, sometimes they do win, like, one huge game every year on the road, but who knows? It doesn't look like they could put up a fight with Arizona before, but... Really, Dana comes out of this like, I don't know, like three to four losses. It's going to be a bubble team, but it's just about how these guys rise up to the occasion.
0: I will say, I think also the the tide of just the school following this basketball team and backing this basketball team as well uh, has really taken a turn this year for the better. Um, I know last year, a lot of students just weren't going to games. They weren't like showing up. It, it was really hard to get participation at these basketball games. And, and I think this year, ever since that Michigan game, when they won on the buzzer beater by Jackson Selstad, I think that the, just the school and the environment around Oregon athletics when it comes to basketball here uh, on campus has really taken a turn for the better as well. And that's kind of helped um, almost ignite that feeling of, like, not necessarily hope, but hope again
2: yeah it it does feel like it's in a better place i think people are more bought in people are more engaged and, and the students have started to come back a little bit i feel like especially last year the wheels have really come off obviously highlighted by the nit appearance versus wisconsin dana obviously made some comments after that about the lack of participation it feels like the the pendulum is swinging in the right direction i think if you're an oregon fan it's really hard to swallow three straight in IT appearances. And so to be very clear, it's not over yet. I think last I saw with the bracketology, like some people had them in the next four out. Some people had them in the four out of the next four outs. Like they're within the realm of getting there. They're in the, the cusp of striking. The they're within like striking. the, the
0: like, last eight territory right now. Somewhere they're within
2: arm's that. distance of striking distance. It's yeah. very close. It's, it's right there. And so I, it's not over yet. And like you, we have talked about, they have some matchups against one poor Pac-12 schools, but schools that are also in the cusp, and so it feels winnable. It feels like they can. Um, briefly, I want to talk about the upcoming games: Washington, Washington State. They beat both of those teams on the road. Is there anything you guys are looking for from this team um, specifically that you're looking for? Honestly, I'm really hoping that Nate Biddle comes back and actually puts together some like consistent minutes. I think him and Dante in the court is a really fun. Thing. And also, it just gives that uh, the big rotation some depth that they so desperately need. They have really ridden Moji Awara hard, and he's performed very well. But for most of the season, it's like he's the only big man on the roster. I mean, they've even having to use uh, KJ Evans as kind of like their, their big four, when really like he can play a small four, big three. And so it's going to be nice to slot Biddle in. So that's what I'm hoping for is Biddle to make an appearance and actually make an impact. It's going to jump set to you guys. Jack, I'll start with you as far as what you'd like to see for the upcoming weekend of basketball.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a somewhat – like, I think Washington could be a trap game. I think Washington State is the better team, and it was a closer game back in, I think, early January. So, I don't know if it's going to be that they're sleeping on Washington, and obviously, like we said, like a broken record now, somewhat injured team going against a Washington team. Will they look forward to Washington State and then get caught off guard by Washington? Or let's say they do win against Washington, it's about staying competitive with Washington State. Because even though it's only been about a month since we faced them, Washington State is one of the hottest teams in the country right now.
2: They're balling out. And that Washington State game went from, uh, oh, it's Washington State, to like, oh, this is one of the premier Pac-12 teams right now. And so they have really turned it on. The other thing I will say before we get to you, Wilder, is I, I would love to see a consistent performance top to bottom. So many of these games have been really up and down. You just go back through that schedule, and you see, like even when they had Cal at home falling behind really big, coming back win to that game. Then you have the Utah-Colorado game, up and down. Arizona State, same thing, starting slow, coming back. Arizona fell behind early, never really got back into it. Every game, there are just these lulls. And, sometimes, and very often I might say they're happening at the beginning of these games. UCLA where they were down 18 points in the first few minutes. It feels like they haven't been able to put together the full game yet. And they have these spurts where they look amazing. But it's like 5, 10, 15-minute spurts. I would love to see just one full game to know that this roster has it in them.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was was in one of the realms that I was going to go in. I was going to say I would love to see this team take the lead early and not fall behind from that point. And I, I was talking to my dad, actually, about it after the UCLA game, uh, where we, we were both just on the phone and we were just like, it, it seems like Oregon just does not want to start this game, like start the game. And obviously, the UCLA game was a little weird where the tip got pushed back because of the presidential congregation going past their hotel. Um, but it, it has just been a, cons- like a constant throughout this entire season where... Oregon, they're they getting pumped, they're looking good, and then they just don't do anything in the first half and then have to fight their way back. So I think that especially is the big point that I'm wanting to see from this team in this series. Um, also, just just have good uh, bench rotation, I think, and ha- and have somebody come off the bench and do well. It seems like that was one of the key aspects for them winning so early in the season was the bench was coming off, uh, or the people that were coming off the bench were putting in good performances, dropping 10, 15, 20 points a game, uh, whoever it was. And recently, it seems like other than the starters, there's been maybe one guy that's put in a shift off the bench, and they've just been losing all of the the points off the bench battles the past couple games. So I think that uh, that's obviously not the biggest thing. You want your starters to do well, especially. Um, but I think that's just like one of the minor details that I would love to see improve from this team.
2: Yeah, and even in that USC game, where they start out pretty well, if you remember, they ended the game giving up 11 straight points to USC before kind of stabilizing things. That went from a big blot to like kind of getting tight there at the end. It's just that thing where it just doesn't seem like they can put together full game and part of that's depth right part mm-hmm. of that is they've been thin in their rotation there's been a couple of games they've had seven or eight scholarship players available so like there is an exhaustion factor with the UCLA game they got stuck behind the presidential motorcade like there are weird things that happened, but it feels like they just haven't been able to put together a, a full game yet um, to f- close out this segment I, I guess I want to ask you how would you think these games go because I feel like both these games are very winnable and this team has played very well at home
3: yeah, I think both these games, like you said before, very winnable. And I think they do come out of this with a two-game winning streak, which would be great for Dana Altman's Ducks right now. Obviously, we don't know what the roster is going to look like. We'll see Thursday. But if it's a relatively healthy re- like lineup for Thursday and Saturday, I think it's going to be two not like unbelievable wins, but two close wins. And I hope that the Ducks can get it done this weekend. I, th- I think that it'll be two –
0: I think it's going to be two very close games I think it's going to come to the like whoever has the possession kind of at the end type of thing Mm. um but I also see a realm where it's going to be two big wins uh for Oregon it just depends on how energized and how ready uh Dana Altman can get this team knowing that they have to put on a performance here if they want to save their season I think that they they need to win. They, they obviously need to win at least one of these games to continue the trajectory that they want for this season. Both would be ideal. Um, I think that a lot of fans are going to show up this weekend wanting to see Washington lose, um, and I think that will definitely help. And I think Oregon do sweep uh, 2-0 on the series.
2: Two things. One, I think that I have a lot more faith in this team to fight back from adversity than I did last year. Last yeah. year that team felt ready to roll over.
0: This team last year, if Oregon started losing in the first half, I would just, t- I would turn off the TV.
2: Yeah, and this team has sh- has shown the ability to fight back. Yes. and I think this is one of those fight back games where they've lost what three of their last four, and it's uh it's one of those ones they or four of the last five, excuse me. They need to fight back. The other thing, Wilder, are you a Bill Simmons guy? Podcaster, a uh, little
0: bit. He
2: talks about his dad a lot and he brings his dad on to the podcast and like they just talk and it's funny because like Bill Simmons, I think is in his fifties or sixties. His dad's like eighties or nineties and they just like talk Boston ball, um, Every quacksmack I'm on, pretty consistently, you bring up your dad, and I just think that we're on the Bill Simmons trajectory mm. of one day you're gonna have a show. I'm like, oh, my guest today is my dad. We're just gonna <laughs> talk about Oregon basketball. So you're so, telling
3: uh, me I'm sitting next to the neck, like next Bill. Simmons. The next Bill Simmons. Yeah. I should I get his autograph. Also, me.
2: Bill Simmons is worth like a hundred million dollars. I didn't realize that because I remember he would talk about betting and was pretty, uh, pretty flippant with how he was betting. I was like, what the heck? That looked up. Like, dude's worth like a hundred million dollars. He sold the ringer for some crazy amount of money so shout out mm. bill, simmons. And and bill simmons i just <laughs> and his dad i
0: don't i don't we get I don't, bill simmons dad. I don't have cool. a lot of time to watch a lot of sports recently uh because i'm starting to work up a lot mm. and my dad will sit and watch sports center at night and we'll just when i'm like walking back from, dad move by the way well, yeah walking back from class or walking back from work i'll just give him a call kind of check in and we'll just chat about whatever sports are going on so uh, it's just kind of something that's always fresh in my mind whenever I'm like coming up and prepping for stuff I'm just like oh yeah he mentioned that so
2: I respect that I respect that honestly we need to get your dad on the show one of these days and have him he's, call, he's have him listen- call in. he listens Day. to we pretty much Father's all of Day, them we'll he's listening actually, right now I <laughs> <laughs> guarantee you. Yeah. Have, have him call in for a show I was like what do you think what do you he, think Mr. Lewis how, how are we feeling he's
0: listening right now he stayed for all of the KWVA Bowl that listen, is, listen to the very end of you that thank so. for the sport. <laughs> hey, Jack
2: loves that Jack's trying to get some fans out there Yeah, he's familiar with the
0: name Jack Wargo at this point. But, yeah, uh, I mean obviously yeah. inaugural real winner. No, he champion. uh he he just he loves sports, he loves talking about it. I grew up my whole life just chatting with him about sports, so it's just something that I still doing. and Whenever I think about it, I shout them out.
2: So. That's good. That's good. It's a great way to start the show, uh, talk about uh, Wilder Lewis's dad. We're going to take our first break here on, on the show. We've talked a lot of Oregon basketball, and we're going to talk Oregon women's basketball at the end of the show. However, we pretty rarely talk about professional sports, on, especially my shows. It's Super Bowl week. I kind of wanted to break the rules. I have a lot of feelings about Brock Purdy. Boo. Let's just talk about <laughs> let's just let's just let's just take out all of the anger we have about Oregon basketball <laughs> and pour it on Brock Purdy for about twenty minutes. I can't wait before we get to Oregon <laughs> women's basketball. So we're gonna take our first break here in KWVA. Thanks for listening to eighty-eight 1 FM.
1: KWVA. KWVA.
2: You're listening to KWVA 88.1 FM, Oregon student radio, home to news, analysis, and the hottest takes about Oregon sports and the flagship station of Oregon volleyball.
1: Roby slams it down, the Ducks keep dancing, the Elite Eight, here they come! Keep
2: an eye on the schedule and tune in here or online at kwva.uoregon.edu slash listen live whenever the Ducks take the court.
1: Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. FarmSafe 811 starts with you.
2: Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked.
1: Always keep
3: safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org.
1: More American Indians live in poverty than any other racial or ethnic group. Since 1989, the American Indian College Fund has helped thousands of young men and women begin a path out of poverty as students at tribal colleges. As more American Indians see a college education as a way out of poverty, full-time college enrollment continues to rise, along with a continued need for support. Help a student, help a tribe. Learn more at tribalcollege.org. A public service message from the American Indian College Fund. Splickety-splickety-splash, y'all. What up, son? This is Colin
3: Deaver, former sports director at KWVA 88.1, Eugene. Swish! And you're listening to Quack Smack.
2: That's a great way to start a segment. Vibes are high. We're gonna talk <laughs> soon. We we don't normally talk professional sports here. We're in, we're an organization. Um I wanted to talk about Brock Purdy. I we were talking about this in the break, and so I'll just recap. During the NFC championship game, one of my friends, close friend of mine, good friend, Paul. Shout um, out Paul. Shout out <laughs> Paul. Um Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Shout Paul. Paul for being wrong. Uh, yeah. For game okay, for yeah, <laughs> recap with uh, Austin knows this story. Paul also has a really funny habit of just sending me the most bland sports ticks ever. Like, do you remember a couple years ago when the Bills started off the year by blowing up the Rams like forty by forty points? Yeah. He texted me after the game and was like, Bill's looking pretty good this year. And it's like, Thanks, Paul. You know, appreciate that. Like that's it's a great take. You know, he's a big Seattle guy. Whenever Seattle wins, Seattle's looking good. But yeah, <laughs> hey, they are Paul. They just won. Wow. Uh, but he texted me during the FC Championship game at the end and was like, I just can't believe there's still people out here who believe Brock Purdy is an elite Can't believe and I this. was like Seattle
0: guy would say that <laughs> yeah I know
2: and I was like what are you are you watching the game he's like are you watching the game and I, I don't understand how we both watched the same game and came away with such wildly different conclusions about Brock Purdy I just I gotta tell you I don't think he's good at football I think he's like a the most average average quarterback at best I think he's he's I think he's
0: slightly above average I think he, he's shown signs that he he can do stuff. He reads the game well. He goes through his progressions. But at the same time, he also is on the most perfect quarterback system that has ever been played in the game of football. Like Kyle Shanahan ha- has just created the most unstoppable system offense with the weapons that he has. And, and, I mean, obviously the running joke is you could throw anybody into that team and they'd do well. He kind of has. He's thrown Mr. Irrelevant and Sam Darnold in that team, and they've, they're have they in the Super Bowl. So it, it really shows that, that anybody probably could play in that, that role as the 49ers quarterback, but you also do have to hand it to, to Purdy. He has had a couple big games where the, the team has needed him to do well, and he's done well, but he also has had a couple of very bad games um, where he has looked like the last pick in the NFL draft.
3: Yeah, uh no offense to Paul, but I hope he's offended by this, but <laughs> he was just completely wrong. Like, I've been saying this, obviously Philly biased again because I do not like Bar- Brock Purdy at all. And I'm giving a shout out to my goat, Gardner Minshew. What he did with the Colts this year, he almost brought them to the playoffs. If you put <laughs> him into the 49ers offense where it's literally all pro at every single position, he would probably give you the same thing that Brock Purdy's giving you right now.
2: That is the ultimate argument, which is just like I think you could put a lot of quarterbacks in that system and look great. Now, the caveat is, for some reason, Kyle Shanahan seems to lean towards quarterbacks who aren't the most naturally gifted as who play well in that system. Because you remember this year— there was Under no, the radar, guys. Under yeah. the radar. Sneaky athletes. They're kind of—do you remember that report that uh, they were trying to trade for Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins would be the perfect Kirk. Player. Kirk Cousins is the ultimate bro. Yeah. Dude, he is,
0: throw big Kirko in there. <laughs>
2: dude, Kirk Cousins is the Tom Brady of uh, Brock Purdy. Like they go.
0: They go undefeated if Kirk Cousins is the San Francisco quarterback.
2: I. It's. It's crazy, but I just. I guess uh, the thing that's crazy. I, I don't. I can't remember the last time we had an athlete like this. It's almost like Tim Tebow-esque where, like, you everyone watches the same game and walks away with very different beliefs yeah. about who the player is. Like, I don't know if you guys have another example of that, but this is one of those athletes where you watch him, and some people are like, oh, he's fantastic, and then other people are like, he's kind of a bum. And I just – I don't see the fantastic.
3: Yeah, I can't think of an athlete like that on the top of my head, but – I think you're completely right how there's literally I could ask my next door neighbor and he could say that Brock Purdy's the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> I can could, could ask just some random guy on the street and he'll tell me that he deserves to be in the XFL. But there's just he, it's one of the most controversial players and it's a good topic, though.
2: There, uh,
0: I don't know if either of you follow Premier League soccer at all, but no the, chance. <laughs> the one the take one way take it away. Wilder. The one scenario where, or the one uh, person I could kind of think of that is similar to that is liverpool starting defender virgil van dyke where he (laughs) used to be that's
2: exactly what i was thinking (laughs)
0: he used to be unbelievable right he was the best center back in the world and, and recently he's fallen off uh to the point where he he's still very good but it seems like every game liverpool fans will say he's the greatest thing in the world uh anybody else is just like yeah he's average So I think in some respect, that's kind of similar where 49ers fans are thinking that he is the next Joe Montana, uh, whereas people that actually watch the sport and aren't biased (laughs) think that he is just a a decent Nate Peterman.
2: That is a brutal take, but I kind of like it. We'll do two quick things before we get off of sports. First, I'm going to jump you guys to some trivia. There are three Oregon Ducks on a Super Bowl roster this year. Three. Now... Some sources will say two because I believe one of the players is not active with the Super Bowl. I'm still investigating. Researchers are still oh yeah, determining. Okay. However, there are technically three Oregon Ducks on a roster for the Super Bowl. I'd look it up. I'm terrible at trivia. Do you guys think collectively you can get all three Ducks? Two of them are really easy, one of them is kind of difficult.
0: Yeah. Jack, this is entirely on you.
3: I know two easily. The third one's going to be a, tar- a tough one. Obviously, Eric Armstead. We know yep. that. DeAndre Lenore. Yep. That's our second one. Yeah. The third one is this the guy I'm assuming. He's obviously not on the roster.
2: He's on the I think he's technically on the roster, but, but I don't think he's active because some okay. sources
3: will only say two. This is going to be a tough one. He'll give us a position.
2: Yeah. Can we get a position? Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling up details now as <laughs> we, because honestly, not even going to lie to you, wasn't super locked in this guy <laughs> in right. college. Uh, starting left cornerback.
3: Left um, cornerback.
2: And I'm trying to get a year here. Uh, drafted in 2014.
3: 2014. So let's just think about this. I was. Nine. (laughs) I didn't even know
2: Oregon was a school. He had 25 Uh, passes defended in his collegiate career, 10th in school history. That's uh, a big one. I mean, props to him. At that time, (laughs) I
0: thought Oregon was just the state. So (laughs) I will not be having any help here. At that
3: time, I was an East Coast kid in New Jersey and probably didn't know Oregon was an actual state at that time. (laughs) But uh, I mean, props to him for being in the league since 2014. He's on his ninth team ninth team. yeah
2: i'll tell you in a second this is his court he was drafted by the cowboys in the seventh round picked 254 was with them for one year then two years with the bears then back with the cowboys then texans then two years with the chiefs three years with the browns long tenure Shut one up. year with the texans one year with the pats then mid-year transferred the uh titans and then he's been with the 49ers since 2023 that is terrence mitchell
3: I've heard the name. Yeah. I have heard the name. Hey, if he's starting in the Super Bowl, he's my
2: Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Right (laughs) now. (laughs) I will take him. Give me the money line. I'm in. Whatever it is. Yeah, I I really am not super locked in on uh, Terrence Mitchell at Oregon. 2010 to 2014 legend. Yeah. He that meant he went to the title game, right? Because was it? 20 yeah, that was yeah. the Mariota year. That was the year that they went with Mariota. 2014. I can't believe just a guy who's been in the league
3: for that long. I would have no clue who.
0: Yeah, he was. I mean,
2: he's <laughs> never been on a team longer than three years. I mean, if just only they
0: if they won the the Natty, he could have said if whoever he's, champion, if, he, if whoever he's on wins the Super Bowl, it could have been yeah one, uh, one, of, one of those players. Yeah. Yeah. National, yeah. Champion, Super <laughs> National <laughs> champion, <laughs> champion, Super Bowl winner. Not a Super Bowl winner. Not a single person special. could name his mm-hmm. name.
2: Um, real quick. What are your guys' keys for the Super Bowl? I guess for me, I cannot in good conscience. I'm not a. I don't like the Chiefs. I don't. I'm tired of them winning. I cannot in good conscience pick. Zero, zero draw. (laughs) I cannot in good conscience pick Brock Purdy in a game where Patrick Mahomes is on the field. I could see Patrick Mahomes losing to Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you know, some of the. Even Jalen Hurts. Like it could happen. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Guard he's Shout out, God. shout out, Joe Seisty, man. Okay, he's not losing to Brock Purdy. That's that's my analysis. Yeah, Top to your can, analysis. know he's not
0: Purdy. losing to Brock Purdy. He's losing to Debo Samuel, Brandon Iu, and, <laughs> <laughs> and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, no, I mean this. These are two very good defenses and very good offensives, but they play almost completely differently. And Levi, I mentioned to you before the game, before the show. I-, I had a couple things that I saw on a TikTok. So. Mm. Shout out TikTok, but the the Chiefs have a very good pass defense and they should be able to keep up with the Niners offense. Whereas the Niners have a very good defensive line that should be able to get to Mahomes and pressure him to make throws that he doesn't want to make. So offenses couldn't be, but also the offenses couldn't be more different. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has this Niners offense in a perfect system, whereas Andy Reid just kind of lets Mahomes do whatever he wants and lets Travis Kelsey break plays every single time. Whereas, but not break hearts. No. Shout, Shout out, out Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, but the thing that really interests me about these two offenses is the Chiefs have the lowest yards per attempt in the entire league at just around four yards, um, whereas the Niners are the highest in the league at just about seven, just over seven. So it's really interesting to see how the Niners – are pushing the ball a lot quicker and a lot further, whereas the Chiefs are taking their time more. Um, right, so it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams match up. Where like the the Niners or the Chiefs defense pairs up really well with the fact that the Niners throw the ball down the field a lot uh, with these really talented wide receivers. The Chiefs have very good uh, cornerbacks and safeties. That's going to be a good matchup. The Chiefs like to dump the ball off shorter and break off plays like that. The Niners have great offensive lines and linebackers. So it's going to be really interesting to me to see how it goes. I think the biggest player in the Super Bowl uh, this year will be Christian McCaffrey. Mm. If he pops off and has a very good game, like he's done every single other game this year, I think that the Niners are going to have a much easier road into the Super Bowl. If the Chiefs can hold him a little bit, I think that's their key to winning.
3: I do agree with you with the Christian McCaffrey take. I think he's super important for the Super Bowl. But I think at the end of the day, if you look back at all the past Super Bowl champions, quarterback is such a key, like, key part of the game. And at the Nick end of the day... Nick Foles. Oh, Nick Foles Don't is the guy. Me. Oh, Nick Foles had one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time. That was like a oh, Joe Flacco-esque yeah. performance. But, Joe Flacco. <laughs> but I just, Eli Manning. <laughs> I can't see Brock Purdy outdoing Patrick Mahomes. And I would... I obviously... I don't want the 49ers to win. It would suck. It would be so much better if Brock Purdy is the reason why they lose the game. and
2: That would be pretty funny. It would I
3: be- really don't want the Niners to win.
2: I want the Chief- I'm, I'm a
0: Seahawks fan. I don't want the Niners to win, but I don't want the Chiefs to I win either. I don't want either. the Chiefs I'm to an win. Eagles I'm I, The
3: just- Chiefs beat us in the Super Bowl. The 49ers now are arch nemesis. It's a lose-lose.
0: Yeah. It's a lose-lose no lose for everybody in the nation unless you're a Chiefs or a Niners fan. It's a, it's, no
2: one's happy. Yeah, Lamar Jackson had a chance to save everyone, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do uh, it. The, the TikTok, Detroit Lions had a chance. The
0: TikTok memes didn't work out.
2: No. I, I think that – I agree with you, Jack, that like quarterback's the position that matters. I think that if there's a world where the Niners win, it's a world where they jump ahead early and they just kill the clock because we know that Brock Purdy and the Niners can play well in their head. There's that crazy stat where they're now like one and 35 when trailing by a touchdown and more in the second half. It's like something stupid like that. My point is, if they have the ball, they're up early and then they can just play their offense and force the Chiefs have to throw the ball down the field against. To your point, Wilder, a great defensive line. I think there's a world where they make Patrick moments uncomfortable. They do like the Tampa treatment where they just get after him and he's throwing sideways passes into the dirt with you know receivers not catching it. Shout out Kadarius Tony. If that guy's active, take the Niners. But if you, I don't think he's gonna. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna be active. But I just think that that's the only world where the Chiefs win. I where will Chiefs say, lose.
0: at at this point in life, it seems really bad to vote against a Patrick Mahomes led yeah. team in the Super Bowl, whereas the only one he lost was to Tom Brady. Yeah. Um. Brock, although Brock, Brock it, Hardy's no Tom Brady. It no, but it does seem like this. Niners' defense is very, very similar to the Tampa Bay defense that destroyed Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl. Super talented in every position, elite defensive line, elite linebackers that can also cover tight ends. Uh, and Travis Kelsey, I think it'll be very interesting to see kind of how uh, Mahomes' offense deals with that, considering that he doesn't have Tyreek Hill this time. He doesn't have... Uh, uh, kareem hunt running the ball yeah. he has They've lost a lot of talent in the he has positions. travis kelsey and that's the only guy that he seemed to be relying on all year.
3: Rasheed Rice has been. Rasheed somewhat, Rice is no, he's decent. Played well. decent. He's
0: played well. It's been Pacheco's had recently. the Pacheco's other side of that, had a good playoffs, yeah, but,
2: yeah, the other side of that coin is if the Chiefs lose, you're gonna. I, I guarantee if the Chiefs lose, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, the receivers could not yeah, hold up. Oh, they're getting if Patrick the Chiefs
0: lose, they're getting T. Higgins in the office <laughs> 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 because
2: it's like, gonna have zero blame for the yeah, game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, whatever happens, Patrick it'll, Holmes is gonna walk away with his goat legacy intact. It'll like,
0: be entirely on either the defense or the wide receivers if they lose this game same
2: way as when they lost to tampa no one said patrick didn't play well they said patrick mahomes almost got killed in the backfield because he was running for his life the whole time
0: yeah but i will it is interesting this year how the chiefs finally have a defense to help patrick mahomes it seems like the past like couple years where they've been really good they've just been needing to outscore their opponents this year they have a defense that can actually play well and it's the first year where they don't have anybody on attack so
3: Another question about the Super Bowl. How are we feeling about Usher at halftime? Mm. I think it's ridiculous. I couldn't name you an Usher song right now. Yeah. <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> if there's ever a
2: year for them to get Taylor Swift, this was the year. We'll yeah. throw it out there. That's, that's my hot take. Uh, we have just one more break here on KWVA. Um, we're going to talk women's basketball when we come back. I'm desperately trying to get the attention of my <laughs> producer. You're totally good, man. <laughs> um, we're gonna have one more break when we come back to wins basketball, but it's gonna be a fun one. Super Bowl Sunday, to national holiday, as it should be. I got off. Chiefs, work Niners. Of it. Hey, there you go, there you go. I'm producing a softball game at 7 a.m. I'll be back. Let's go, Super go Bowl. Let's go softball. All right, one more break here on KWVA 81 FM.
1: KWVA. KWVA. K-W-V-A. Would your business survive a disaster? You're listening to KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. If you're looking for some of our best calls, Line drive, left field, see you in the Supers! And it's high fives for version 5! Our daily schedule, Big fly to center field, taking Kindlesberger to the warning track, and it's gone! Or some of the other fun stuff we've got going on, head to our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KWVA Sports. like what you're listening to want to be a part of the flagship station of numerous oregon sports interview duck athletes and have a hand in the media scrum then look no further than the very station you're listening to kwva 88.1 fm email sports at kwvaradio.org dm our instagram at kwva sports or head down to the station itself next to Bartolotti's, located on the bottom floor of the mu to find out more
0: Hey, I'm former KWVA. Hey. I'm former KWVA sports director Chris Clay. Hey, what are, what are you doing? I'm doing the thing. I mean, I'm I'm former KWVA sports director. Oh, I know. Chris know. I am too. Come on, they got to get back from break. All right. You're, You're listening, listening to, to K-W-V-A, KWVA Eugene, eighty-eight point 1, one FM. FM.
2: Welcome back. Fifteen more minutes left to go here on Quacks Jack, I know you wanted to talk the Pro Bowl. I know, I know that we <laughs> wanted really to talk. Uh, I think the NFC won.
3: Yeah, Minchu had two touchdowns though. There so. we go. Uh, the Put one that thing I, in the record book. Geno so, Smith had three
1: interceptions. The Let's one go. thing I
2: want to man- uh, mention: Did you see Eli Manning versus Super Hot Fire? I did see that with that uh, was- Tom Brady's the goat, but I beat him twice though. Yeah, that, that I want to say uh, My favorite meme of the week Was Super Hot Fire Has a LeBron James Style longevity of memes yeah. When's the last time You saw like a meme character Last for legitimately What 15 years Whenever the first video Came out I mean that's old uh, stuff And it's iconic video, iconic. iconic Psych Like everyone knows that And the fact that This man again This man just keeps coming back I know And he doesn't age It seems like Doesn't he. age, <laughs> it seems doesn't like doesn't age. Also One joke That's all yeah, he needs I mean, to I guess, that doesn't, yeah. have, doesn't have a, he's, got one, he's got a fastball can't throw a change up no curveball nothing just nothing straight gas straight gas <laughs> <laughs> Straight gas my man i just i got nothing to say to that. Yeah. that 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 was my takeaway from the pro bowl was that super hot fire still relevant 2024 it's like i beat him
0: twice <laughs> another shout out to my dad he's a big patriots fan so yeah. those are some great times yeah. to bring up
2: i i yeah, that's just wild um hey, psych let's up, talk women's basketball shout out the helmet catch <laughs> <laughs> um women's basketball um, they're on a five-game losing streak, yeah. and it's been a tough year for them. Now, the flip is true for the men's team, where, like, men's are like, ah, can they win a weak Pac-12? Women's Pac-12 basketball is dominant. The top half of the conference so, is So, right. yeah. so good. So deep. I mean, you look at the, the Pac-12 standings, and it is number six Stanford, number four Colorado, number 17 Oregon State, number 20 Utah, number nine US- UCLA, number 10 USC. Right now there are four teams in the top ten. Five in the top twenty or six in the top twenty, excuse me, and those six teams represent the top half of the conference in the conference standings. Um, Oregon now sits at eleventh in the conference, or two and eight in conference, eleven and twelve on the year. Um, looking at their schedule, Yikes. again they're on a five game losing streak and it, it doesn't get easier, uh, yeah, which is just next super four games
3: all ranked opponents. Yeah.
2: That's that's not rewarding at all. Yeah, after Colorado, Utah, then they get USC, UCLA, four straight ranked. They get a break with Washington, Washington State, Cal, then finish up with Stanford.
3: Yeah. uh Obviously, right now, I would say women's basketball in the NCAA is probably the highest it's been in a while. I mean, yep. Caitlin Clark, the LSU drama all season. South Carolina's dominant. Yeah, unbelievable with Don Staley. But it sucks, though, because, like, Obviously, Sabrina Ionescu was here for a while. And like, now that we're coming into like, where women's basketball is really going, like the trajectory for women's basketball is at an all-time high right now. And for w- Oregon basketball just not to be competitive in most games, it just sucks because Oregon ba- like, women's basketball for a while was just
2: dominating every year. It, it's almost like they, they hit the wave too early. Yeah, exactly. Where they had one of the greatest women's basketball players of all time in Sabrina Ionescu. And now they just, I mean, they just nothing going. Um, to talk about the Oregon State game, rivalry game, Oregon State ranked 18th in the nation uh, at home. Austin noted Lily Crane on the call. Great call, I might add. Great call. But it was just, they it, it were so close down the stretch. And they felt like they really had a chance to pull off the upset. And they just couldn't close it out. And it was so close. And so close to pulling off the biggest upset of the year. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, walking away from that, you got to feel great but you also feel terrible.
1: That was sweet by the way.
2: Thanks, I appreciate that. Uh, do you want me to hop on? Yeah, do you want to talk about Oregon State? Or do Oregon you want State? me to? Yeah. Tell me what you thought. What
1: do you what, what sorry, what was the question?
2: So what what was your take with that game? Cuz obviously on one hand you feel great cuz they probably played their yeah. best game of a month. On the other hand you feel miserable cuz they lost.
1: And that's that's what Kelly Graves said after the game, like basically they, this was about as good as 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 they were they were hoping for. They played a great game uh Kelly said they played their best offensive game in, in pac twelve play, which I completely agree with. Um chance ended up being awesome by the end of the game. Grace Van Sleuten had some big buckets. Che. Philly Che. Uh one of my questions on tomorrow's Quacksmack is like how many bigs are better than her in the Pac twelve? And I think it's one and it's Cameron Brink. Um she's Are you so disagreeing?
2: Good. No, I, I she's really good. Yeah. She's, no, she's so uh, she's good. she's good.
1: Um No, there was it was a really good game. I thought they played really well. They got um, 11 bench points which obviously doesn't sound like a lot, but for a team that, uh, their starters averaged like 36 minutes a game, like getting that bench production is huge. I thought Kennedy Williams really good off the bench. Um, I was really impressed by, by what they did against Oregon state, who I think is a better team than people even give them credit for right now. Like even 18 feels low. I think they're better than Utah. I think they, I mean, they just beat Colorado on their home floor. Um, so I, I was really, really excited about that the effort the other day.
2: That was Austin Silent Reporter. hopping Yeah, down. thank you. Sorry, yeah, checking out. Yeah, thanks, Austin. Appreciate it. Anytime, uh, Jack uh, Wilder. Open the floor again. Weird emotions where you feel like they just played the best game of the year, and they just lost to a rival, and now they're on a five-game losing streak. Wilder, where do you take it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very interesting. They they played really well. They showed what they can do with this team in this past game, but. On the other hand, they're on a five-game skid. They have lo- they have played four top 20 teams in those five games, so it hasn't been easy for any means. But they're also just not playing defense, really. They've given up 60-plus in four of those five. Uh, the only time that they hadn't was 58 versus Utah. So th- th- it's it seems like that's the big area of concern for this team is just defensively if they can stop opponents. Uh, obviously, they went against five really good teams, uh, barring Cal a little bit. But Cal has signs. Um, in in this OSU game, I mean, they had their big three all play really well. Van Sluten had 14, Gray had 15, and Philippina Che had 16 and 18 rebounds by the end of it. Absolutely insane numbers for her. Um, but the team is themselves shot less than 40 percent uh, on in the field. They gave up 34 bench points. Um to Oregon State, which in retrospect, obviously the starters when they're playing thirty six minutes, that's a lot. They only had eleven off the bench, but they also gave up thirty six bench point or thirty four bench points, um to, uh, Oregon State. So so it seems like there's areas where they still need to work on. Obviously, but it seems like this game, as much as it was a close, uh, brutal loss to a rival, it was a step in the right direction for sure.
3: I think the worst thing for Oregon women's basketball right now, it's like you would think that a five-game losing streak is an all-time low for you. It could get even worse, which is the worst part. Colorado coming up next. They're one of the best teams in the whole country right now. Three losses, all three against ranked teams at the time. And obviously, it's been a hell of a year for uh, Colorado. You had the football team making headlines every year. The basketball, the men's basketball team is great. But the women's basketball team might be the best team at that school right now. And they are unbelievable right now. I, I've seen it all year. They've been dominating.
2: Yeah, they're up to fourth in the AP poll. I was really sweet way of saying that the football team sucks. The football team made a lot of headlines. Yeah. The men's team is really good at basketball. But, yeah. man, that football team made a lot of headlines. Yeah, I, I agree. Colorado's really good. And that's the worst part is, like you said, they're on a five-game losing streak. You realistically think that they could end up on a nine-game losing streak. And that would
3: possibly probably be the worst point of the program's history at this point, or in the modern history. In, in Kelly
2: Graves' time. I know. They've only finished under five hundred uh, his first year, which was 13 years ago. So they've, they and they they are looking like they're going to fit. They're under five hundred right now. Yeah, especially for
3: recruiting right now. Obviously, I think Sabrina Ionescu gave you a little push back, but after this abysmal season and with how other schools are really like prominent in the women's basketball game right now, I just it seems like they're falling behind right now. When at one point they looked like they could probably have like the greatest future beyond like the LSU, like but. It's yeah. a sad reality for them right now.
2: It does feel like they're falling behind, and I guess while they're open up to you, it's, it feels like talent retention has been an issue for them, where they lost Sedona and they lost Tahina. The, the transfer portal has not been kind to them.
0: Yeah, it seems like all these players are just wanting to leave, um, which makes me kind of wonder, hey, is it something going on uh, within the school and the program itself, or is it just the fact that there just doesn't seem to be a desire to improve at this point? And obviously there's a desire to improve uh, as – there is with any sport um but it just seems like uh, for Oregon women's basketball it just seems like they they don't have the ability to right now And, and obviously that's coming off of uh a very very dominant time with Sabrina uh everybody's like hey the you guys were so good with Sabrina what happened so they're kind of trying to create their own identity now um get past the Inescu era um but it just—it seems like it's something very difficult to do at this moment in time, and I think that it's just going to take a little while for them to kind of get back to that point um, in time, which is really unfortunate considering that this is the last year of the Pac-12, and it's also the like the time where women's basketball is starting to
3: do so well.
2: Yeah, break up the Pac-12. Honestly, that the, the best thing is they're going to leave the Pac-12.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm just wrapping it back, just back to the transfer portal losses, and we talked about Sedona. I just like to say TCU. I don't know if you saw it It was viral. They (laughs) had an open tryout midseason. They're fifteen and six right now. Still, yeah, it's just it says a lot about what Oregon basketball is right now versus TCU and Sedona. They had to
2: to forfeit two games because they couldn't field the forfeit two teams
3: or two games, and they only have six losses. So that's just saying a lot. And Sedona's dropping twenty points per game right now, and it's just it's a bad time for Oregon's women's basketball, but. Obviously, hopefully this is the worst for them right now.
2: Yeah, I just I think that it's going to be good to go to the Pac-12. Yeah, of those six ranked teams, four of them are going to the Big 12 with the ACC, which is its so in conversation. But USC, UCLA, obviously coming with um, the Big Ten. Currently, only has three teams ranked, including Iowa. But hey, Caitlin Clark can't stay forever. So Iowa, y- you got to think is is <laughs> yeah. long for the. the Twenty-one and two right now. But Like South Carolina is twenty-one and zero. There's other undefeated. Don Staley's something which is else. Is they're They're so good. Insane. And it feels like ages ago that Connecticut had that. A uh, UConn had yeah. that hundred-game win streak. I mean, I know women's basketball has come a long way.
3: Yeah, I know that Paige Buchers right now at UConn has had an injury bug, kind of like the men's basketball team. But uh, it just seems like UConn is now uh, like. I don't want to say, like, obviously, I think there's still going to be, when you think of women's basketball, you're still going to think of UConn, but they've taken a back seat this year, especially with LSU, Iowa, and South Carolina. Really, just those three teams are in a league of their own. It reminds yeah. me
2: of when people talk about the NBA and they say the talent is so deep now that you almost like, you should add teams because we have too much talent. Like, obviously, you're not adding teams to college, uh, college basketball the way you would to an NBA, but the point is the talent depth across the nation is so much deeper than it was 5, 10, 20 years
0: ago. Yeah, it really it really makes the, the, the women's March Madness brackets just so entertaining to watch, considering that any team has a chance, it seems like, that gets into it. And all of these top teams have such key players that on any night can score 30-plus points or just put up an insane performance. So it's, it's really great to see how uh, far it's come, for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I, this last year there was LSU Iowa yeah was that like was must appointment, watch appointment viewing which yeah. is unheard of right I here. think yeah. it's
3: going to be a great time for like this tournament I think Caitlin Clark every game of her is going to be must watch, it's watch and watch, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be a fun March and I think obviously the men's it's a wide open field and women's like you said before is also pretty wide open because mm-hmm.
2: it's so deep yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's fun It's it's been the most interesting or the most like challenging years uh, as a March Madness enjoyer to kind of predict what's going to happen the past couple of years with this emergence of uh, talent. I do have a quick question. Who do you think is going to win between Ionescu and Curry in the three-point contest?
2: I heard that. Uh, originally, they said they were doing different three-point lines. Yeah, I think they, they, they changed the same it. thing. They now. changed they it they changed to changed NBA, it? Line.
0: NBA lines. Huh? Yeah, I saw that they were doing different. So, y- uh, Sabrina they, must have put in a yeah, request to change it. She, it. she was like, she wants tweet. to win on NBA terms. Yeah. yeah,
2: she did. And honestly, like... I am so excited for that. That's going to be so much fun. It's yeah. going to be so sick. I can't remember the last time I tuned into a three-point contest, but I'm I'm locked in on that. Yeah, one. I think it could be
3: bigger than the dunk contest. That's not saying a lot because the dunk contest has <laughs> Wait, fallen is off. is Mac McClung this year? Like, <laughs> uh, shout up, Mac McClung, another Philadelphia legend. But uh, I just, it's an exciting time for women's basketball, just in general. And I think Caitlin Clark has obviously been one of the biggest like things to ever happen to the game. And so it's exciting to see what happens in the future.
2: That's going to wrap it up for us here on QuacksMack. If you're in my BA453 group, please respond in the group chat. (laughs) I've been desperately trying to get you guys. It's going to be bad. Please just respond. Friday at 3, we're trying to meet, turn in the project.
0: I got an email from Kevin Calabro that I got to respond to real quick. Oh,
2: nice. I like that. I like that. Just to recap the end, I'm going to say my first QuacksMack. It's probably
3: like a, I don't know, let's go with, Tobias Harris.
2: Uh, A Tobias uh, Harris-style performance. Overpaid, it, yeah. but still good. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up for your Quacksmack, Levi Berthold, Wilder Lewis, Jack Wargo, Austin Oda, Blaze Winston. Great show tonight. And we're going to kick it back to your regularly scheduled DJ in about 20 seconds here on KWBA 88.1 FM. You've been listening to Quack Smack
0: on KWVA. If you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. Right here on KWVA Eugene, 88.1 FM.